This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selke, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, where we are in season nine entitled The Power of a Word. If you've been with us on this journey so far this season, you know that we are bringing words of power, words of high performance from individuals across all different spectrums. I'm really looking at why those words are so important to those individuals and how they've wired them into their lives to help them show up as the absolute best version of themselves, first and foremost as a person. And then as a professional. And so today I am am excited to introduce everybody to Joe Ferraro. Joe, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. I love the set. I love everything you're putting out and I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. So Joe, you are a podcast host yourself, a, an incredible podcast called 1% Better. I encourage everybody to check that out. You're a teacher and you're a speaking coach. Tell us tell us a little bit about each of those elements of your life and, and why, wh- because again, you could choose to do anything in your life and you've chose to be a podcast host, a teacher and a speaking coach. Why is that? That's so kind of you, right? To have the belief in me that I could just kind of throw the net out there and and make it happen. But I know what you mean. And I've listened to a lot of your episodes where you have some incredible guests that that have some real choices. And I take pride in that. I've actually been in the classroom 22 years. So I teach English 12, creative writing and public speaking. In the meantime, every Sunday since July 1st, 2017, I've launched a podcast, whether I felt like it or not. And you know, between you and me, I, I often felt like it. And I can tell in your voice, you do as well. But I think, again, that theme of choosing to do something, how we allocate, how we show up, to use your words. And then since November, I've, I've freed up some space to empower people with the power of conversation. And as a speaking coach, I'm finding a disconnect at times between creative people and one art form and their ability to express as they want to express themselves. So this opportunity felt right where my first client was an incredible writer, Nashville, Tennessee, incredible writer. And when we had a conversation, it felt a little bit flat. And when he asked for feedback, it led to an organic relationship where I began coaching him. And I've seen that now as a pattern. I feel that some people are at X and some people are great at Y and anytime coaches like you and I hope me can try to help people walk towards who they really want to be in all areas. I think there's a real alignment opportunity there. So those are the three buckets that I've been living in and and lucky for me and I hope my students both professionally and in the in the in the public sector I hope there's a spiral that builds on each other. Yeah, well talk to us about that spiral. What do you, what do you mean when you say that and what do you hope that spiral creates or leads to? I happen to have great leadership that I've worked for in the in my in my full time job, and I think we all have three or four full time <laughs> jobs. But um, a lot of times I'll go to 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 my principal with a crazy idea, something I think that will be great for the kids, and he'll often say, "Yeah, try it." And one of those 
freedom elements is I, I'll interview someone like James Clear. You know, I've been fortunate to have guests of, of his ilk on my podcast. And then very next day in my classroom, I'll pass along to the students something that James said that resonated with me. There's no let's wait till September. Let's see if... No, no. James said his habit formation plan was X. And I think, Cynthia, in the back row, you could really benefit. I want to caveat that. I'm not sending her a digital file of my podcast and saying I'm Joey podcast. But I am saying I just learned something really cool. Don't even tell them where I got it. Pass it on to them. And the learning hasn't stopped. So the the podcast being called 1% Better, I think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where every day my bucket's getting filled. I mean, I literally drive to work listening to a podcast like yours. And then I teach classes. And then I prepare for another conversation and it's that spiral that just, it keeps me nonstop filled. Man, I absolutely love that, right? Because as as leaders, as teachers, as parents, as coaches, I mean, our job is to to continually be filled up so that we can pour out more, right? And and be stewards of leadership, of learning, of growing. And that, I, I think sometimes in high performance, people are like, I have to be a professional tomorrow. And man, it's about the journey. And guess what the journey consists of? Getting 1% better every day. And I, I love that your podcast is called that and the heart and intent behind it. And, and I do think it's funny how sometimes you put things out there and you're like, oh, this actually has more meaning than I originally intended. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm the 1% better guy now, you know? yeah. and, and it, but, but you're right. No, and, and then I, I also want to just dig a little bit more into the, the, the speaking coach element of what you do, because I, I think it's one thing to say, you know, I, what is it? Public speaking is like the second biggest fear after death. Is that true? Okay. That's what everybody says. And so I think when people hear speaking coach, they're like, well, I don't do public speaking. But what I love about what you said is it's not just if, if you have a fear of public speaking, you can probably help people get better, right? Like I, I don't, I don't disbelieve that, but I think what's even more powerful about your work in this space, Joe, is that you can help people who have a desire to share and want to articulate really actually communicate what they're trying to communicate and and allow it to hit the hearts and the minds of the receiver in a way that's captivating, that's compelling, that that really is a one for one from intent to impact. And so, you know, I, I guess in your experiences, how does that come about in your coaching? Yeah, it's moments like this where I realize I'm in I'm in the the virtual hands of a pro because you just gave me such a great invitation to clarify. I, I have a mentor who's just been incredible, and and he calls me America's podcasting coach. I nearly vomited when I heard it because I just can't I can't put the stamp, Amber. I can't I can't do it. He's like, well, you don't know. He's got a Canadian accent. You don't understand. Like marketing is a real thing. Like you know, and he's like getting into it, and I'm saying to myself, fine. But actually what he's on to is the idea that a lot of people do keynote speaking coaching and a lot of people, there's a lot of forms of public speaking. But what you hit on earlier is this, and I don't know if this is the right word, but this, this niche or specialty that I've tried to focus on is on both sides of the microphone. There are, we hear these stories. There's a million podcasts a year and then there's this one and then only people make it only seven. My thinking is this, the microphones we both have right now are really great, like physically a great product. But if you can't conduct a conversation in a way that connects with the person, even if we're virtual, why are we spending $311 on Amazon on the microphone? 
Like, let's sacrifice a little bit of the audio quality, even though that's not present here. And let's actually connect on a deeper level. So one of the most popular programs that I've put together for people is whether you want to be a host or a guest. And my first client, candidly, was wanted to be a guest. He was, he'd been on two podcasts when I talked to him. And now he's been on 13, including the Marie Forleo show. So he's now actually seeing real value internally. And then quite honestly, monetarily, where he's now selling more of his products because he's able to connect with people. So I think you really hit on something. It's not that I can't say, hey, stand up a little taller, uh, X, Y, or Z, get better technology. My passion is how can we ask better questions? How can we listen with empathy? And how can we do those human things to take advantage of the 27 or more conversations we have a day? Man, I love that. I'm like, okay, so Joe, on the back end of this, I need you to be my speaking coach because I want to be better, you know? I'm like, you just got yourself a new job, buddy. <laughs> um, so, you know, to that point, let's dive into, you know, this word that you want to bring us today. And, and before we do, if this is your first time joining our, our podcast, why are we talking about the power of the word? Listen, my, my background's in human performance psychology, right? Why are we talking about words? We're talking about words because words are powerful. And, and I think that one of the things we always say is that people People, people often think that thoughts are just these ephemeral things that float around in our head that don't matter. But what we know from a scientific standpoint is that thoughts, and particularly repeated thoughts, actually start to build mindsets or, or protein patterns that get wired into our brain and change the form and function of them, therefore impacting how we show up moment by moment. So thoughts are really important. But here's the thing. When we take a thought and we verbalize it, now all of a sudden it becomes a word. And if we repeat words or phrases over enough, guess what? They start to mold and shape who we are and who we become. And so on a journey of high performance excellence, and again, this doesn't mean you have to be a professional athlete or a, a corporate executive. This means that you want to show up and be the absolute best parent, spouse, community member, teacher, friend, Maybe you're an executive, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're an athlete, but it's about how do we as humans tap into the deepest essence of who we are and then bring that to the world around us. That's performance in my mind. And so words can be a compelling force to help us actually grow into that person that, that we want to be. And so with that, that, that's the purpose of the season, right? To find words from individuals like Joe who have, who have shown up with a desire desire for performance excellence, right? To be excellent. And that's a journey. That's not an outcome, right? And, and find what are the words that are captivating your mind and your heart and have been critical in helping you show up as the best version of yourself and grow into who you're becoming. So with that as a backdrop, Joe, your, your word that you're bringing us today. My word, I hope has some meta value to it, which is conversation. And when I hear you say human performance psychology, I just love that three-word phrase. I can't think of many keystone habits or skills that can wrap that up and, and package it than, than the power of conversation. And this idea and this obsession has been brewing for a long time. For me to put it out into the world and begin to, to really walk into it was really founded on a, on a simple question that I wondered about, which was, if humans have 27 conversations a day, and I think we have to acknowledge that for you and me and anyone who's in the coaching or teaching field, that number is going to be much higher than that. But if you have 27 conversations a day, I challenge people listening to answer the question of how many of those 
would you consider damn good? When it was over, you said, damn, that was a good conversation. I'm embarrassed to say that I don't think many of them were prior to really being intentional about it. And I think you, me, and I think a lot of your listeners are intentional creatures, but I think we can do better. I, I think that I have a mild to severe allergic reaction to small talk. And I, I've seen that in you and your work. And I, and I think that we like to go deep with thoughts pretty quickly. And that might not be for anyone, for everyone, but I think that that's part of the journey as well as seeing who's in front of us. But for me, you know, it's, it's that word conversation, which is also parallel to connection that just keeps me going and wanting to learn more. So a lot of things, but before we go too much further, you said the phrase. So Joe, tell us your website. Damngoodconversations.com. Dot com, right? Like I love that. <laughs> and so I was actually curious where that came from, damngoodconversations.com. And uh, now we know, right? Because it's that that provocative question of how many conversations do we engage in that we're like, man, that was good. That filled my soul, right? That filled my cup. And I, and I love the intentionality behind how do we weave more of those, those into our lives? So flesh out the word conversation. What is it? What does it mean to you? When you say conversation, give us, color that picture in for us. Give us some depth. It's interesting that you asked that because I've thought about as the summer approaches, I thought about really diving into that even on a more granular level. Because if you think about what what a conversation is on Google, it's not going to be a pleasing find, right? It's like the act of conversing with two or more people. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do much for you as, a, as an English teacher nerd. It just doesn't do anything. I, I think it's, it's a conversation is a time where two people or more connect about something that has purpose behind it. And I think that mm. one way that I could really solidify this for people is, if I were to talk to 20 people who run a podcast or have an interest in being on a microphone, what they'll say to me often is, I want my podcast to feel like an everyday conversation. And when I hear that, I like to invert that. My belief, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, my belief is the inversion of that. I actually want everyday conversations mm. to feel more like podcasts. Because I have this belief that if a microphone was with us at all times it would heighten our conversations. So my goal for people, my goal in my own life, I want every single conversation I have to be purpose-driven and, uh, and mutually beneficial and slightly heightened from an everyday level of conversation. I recently worked with someone and he said, I just want it to feel like we're, we're shooting the breeze at, at a dinner table. And I had to gently break it to him that that's just not my philosophy. I think you have an audience to think about. And I'm not saying that in our intimate communication moments, we're going to have an audience, but I like the metaphor of thinking, hey, what would this sound like recorded? Is this enough juice? Is this enough life and crackle to really warrant a damn good conversation? Man, I love that. I mean, there's so many things packed into there of purpose, intentionality, mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial, right? And then you said the word crackle. And you know, one of my mentors, an 80, 80 some year old guy, Notre Dame, Notre Dame alum, um, you know, he always said, he's like, Amber, you've got the, you've got the crunch, you know, it's you've got a crunchiness about you. And so, and I and I always sort of chuckled about that. But it is, it's it's this this depth, right? A robustness in our world. Man, we're desperately lacking that. And so I, sort of a side note question. Do you feel like texting conversations are conversations? The way I do it, they are. 
<laughs> I have I have students who, when they lowercase something in the group thread on on Google Meet, I just say, "Know your worth." Don't go cap lowercase i. I mean, come on. Um, I truly don't use lowercase i. I do, I use punctuation in my text, and it's not because I'm elitist, and it's not because I'm a nerd, and it's not because I'm cool. If we're gonna say we're gonna practice everything in our life. And then all of a sudden, the thing we do most is our shabbiest form of communication. I just don't buy it. I'm, I'm, I'm like choosing the right GIF. Like I take it seriously. Like I want the right GIF coming to your inbox. I don't want like, oh, I don't really get that joke. No, like I want it to land. So on a daily basis, I'm actually trying to practice it with these devices. Man, I love that. And again, it goes back to this intentionality. And I, I love that you use the lowercase I as an example of know your worth, right? And, and here, I'm just going to get on my little soapbox for a while because I believe the same thing. Like I, you know, one of my roles is vice president of leadership and culture at, at Lippert, which is a manufacturing company. And we, we're constantly talking about quality, right? In, in the work that we do and the products we create. And what I say all the time to our leaders is, listen, it is very hard to get people to care about the quality of an output if they don't understand the quality and see quality in themselves as a human being. And to your point of the lowercase I, it's seemingly so subtle and so like, you know, potentially not important, but the things that we do day in and day out on a consistent basis, guess what? Build habits and 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 then build mindsets, right? And so you might think you're just writing a lowercase i, but every time you do that, there's a subconscious message to your own brain about your own self, about who you are, your your status or quality in the world. And I don't mean that in elitist way either, but I mean that in like genuinely is, I think our world is desperately lacking a lot, lot of things, but I think it starts with a general sense of appreciation and love for who we are as individuals, you know, and humans yeah. in this world. I'm hearing the word craft there in an unspoken way. And a word that I've stolen or a phrase I've stolen from you is, is, is show up. And, and I want to show up with my text being slightly different than someone else's. So there's a differentiation piece. Now, if you or someone listening wants to go lowercase I, you're still my friend. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying that I'm practicing conversations. I'm experimenting with long text and short text. I'm thinking everything's a tool and how can I help that tool get me one step closer to being a connecting force in someone's life. Yeah. And so that I was going to go to that point next and you teed it up perfectly, right? This, that you mentioned conversation as a intent to connect, talk to us about like your heart and, and, and behind that and what you're actually trying to manifest through conversation. Well, there's, there's so many quotes that, that swim around my head daily when it comes to communication. Communication is the transfer of emotion. I love that one. But, but the all-time winner for me is communication is not about being understood. Communication is not about being understood. It's about making sure you cannot be misunderstood. And when I heard that, I'm like, whoa, that's where body language comes in. Because, you know, the science seems a little bit divided recently on the, on the study of body language. I'm a huge proponent of it, but the more I read, you hear some people say, well, if someone's frowning, it doesn't necessarily mean, but here's where I take issue with it. If the goal of communication is to make sure I cannot be misunderstood, that you are going to hear my purest intention, then the way I hold my body says something and you're going to be left assuming. So if I if I go classic, you know, arms folded and I'm not cold and you're thinking I'm bored or disconnected, or if I'm fiddling with a phone, it is possible that I'm connected. But my standard, and I think yours too, of communication is 
I don't want you to think something different than what I want to convey. I want you to con- I want to convey to you and to listeners that I'm prepared for this conversation. So anything that seems a little distracting seems like it's it's going to peel me away from that connection that I seek. Man, do y'all know why I'm having him on here and talk about high performance? This is what I'm talking about, Joe. Let's go. It's spectacular, <laughs> right? This this just desire to bring everything you've got in the best possible way to the moment, not just for yourself, but for everybody that gets to experience that moment with you, right? Like that's huge. In, in some of like the leadership coaching that I do, one of the communication models that I share a lot with people are just two concentric circles, right? Where there's a small one in the middle followed by one a bigger one on the outside. And, and the word I write on the inner circle is intent. And then the word I write on the outer sort of brim is impact. And so when we're communicating, you know, does our impact match our intent? And sometimes our intent, you know, is one thing, but it has a negative or a broader impact because of our body language and the process of communicating or maybe our timing of communication around a topic. But then sometimes we can think about that as maybe how do we how do we make a bigger positive impact than maybe even our intent? That happens like your one percent better naming of your podcast. Your intent was one thing, and then the the positive impact continues to grow in that. What I'm hearing you say is that really the goal in communication and and particularly conversation is how do we get that one-to-one match of intent to impact that that we're trying to convey what's your thought i know i'm just throwing this at you but what's your thought or how would you how would you react to that no i mean i'm listening with a pen and i sketch that out and i feel pretty good about it i'm going to put a fancy bracket sign with another eye and i'm going to go back to intentionality and i'm going to say knowing this piece of data knowing this this framework of intent and impact when I go with that fancy bracket on the outside and I say, well, my intent with my students or my clients is to, or even my listeners, is to convey this and this. If that's my purpose, I have a heck of a better shot of actually achieving it. And I think we have to be mindful for the most sophisticated or those that are trying to be sophisticated communicators that sometimes our impact can actually not match our intent. And then we're it's really our, our responsibility to clean that up, right? Because if someone... I can't just hide behind, well, that wasn't my intention. Sorry. Not if I want to be an elite communicator. We can apologize. We can clarify. And we can say things like, oh, I'm so sorry that it sounded that way. Like I, I get a little bit uh, ruffled when people are like, no, no, you, you misunderstood me. I try to be cleaner with my language. Like I wasn't as clear. It's not that you, Amber, misunderstood me. Maybe you did, but I still want to own it. I want to say, no, I could have explained that a little better. So it's all about that. And, and I think that... Again, to kind of pick up on a theme, I like the spiral, right? So we can talk about intentionality. We can talk about impact. We can talk about intent. I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's powerful. And ultimately, some of the end goal is that connection point. And, and why, I mean, why do you feel like connection is so important? I, I don't know how you can, well, you can't do it alone. Let's just say that. And I, by it, I mean it. We, we can't do this journey alone. So if we can't do it alone, I think one image that would be nice for people is we're walking side by side, but imagine those people walking side by side turn and face each other. And I think that we don't have to be slapped over the face by what we're going through nationwide right now in terms of health, in terms of politics, in terms of division. I mean, just let's let's teach through the opposite. The opposite of connection is is being pulled apart or division. That doesn't feel so good. And we don't have to agree. I I spoke to Annie Duke, decision scientist, cool title. And she said, there's a difference between convince 
and convey. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was super powerful. So I think we can disagree, but let's convey. Here's what I meant. I'm not here to convince you. And I, and I like that idea as a way of framing this. Yeah, that's really powerful. What's a damn good conversation that you've had recently? Well, I like to try to have them every day. It's uh, I, it's funny you say that though, because I, I was, <laughs> I don't know where you're at, but I'm getting a sense that you have an ideation kind of thing going on too, like an idea here, an idea there. And that's a strength we know from strength finders. And it can be a weakness because we, we don't necessarily always finish something. But I've been spending some time and trying to be more um, deliberate and more valuable on Twitter. And I wanted to do an exercise where I, I'm, I'm telling people we have 27 conversations a day. And then I'm like, but let's like vet this. I want to see like who are my conversations and let's take my students out of it. And Okay. So I'm thinking, you know, this week I get a chance to talk to you. Tomorrow I'm talking to a track and field coach from a major university that I don't know much about, but he found my work about asking better questions. And that's not for a podcast. That's someone reaching out. And uh, yesterday I spoke to that writer in Tennessee and I spoke to an SEO guy from, from Philadelphia. And that is none of that to brag. What I started thinking about was, oh my God, in 15 minutes, I'm able to get something from him and give more than I got. So like I can get into the specifics of the conversation, but what I'd rather give listeners is this idea that like, we do have time. We, we have time. It's just, what are we using the time for? And when I became so intentional about conversations and their life-giving force, then I started to say, well, if I'm going to engage, let's go. Let's do the thing. Let's not be half there. Let's be where our feet are. Everyone loves that quote. I love it too. And let's, let's pour into them. Let's ask great questions. Let's listen even better. You know, we have to ask about, we have to talk about questions at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. So on that, I was just going to say like, what, what tips can you give us? I know that this could be, I mean, our entire conversation could be wrapped around the art of beautiful, provocative, meaningful questions, right? But if you could share just some, maybe your general philosophy on questions and then maybe a tip or, or trick for us to continue to, to think about and maybe apply in our lives. I'd love to. I would. My philosophy is really hinged on two ideas. Um, one is backwards design. And, and the second is something I, I call high velocity questions. The short versions of these, and I'm happy to connect with people who want to talk about it a little bit deeper. But the short version is a poker tip that I got once upon a time where the gentleman said, what is your bet every time on the, on the turn, the fourth card for people that don't play poker? And the guy said, I don't have a typical bet. I bet the amount that I think is going to produce what I hope to produce. So if I want my opponent to bet his life savings because I have the best hand, I bet precisely the amount that I think will get him to bet his life savings. And if I want to scare my opponent away, then I'll bet the amount that I want him to go away. It doesn't always work, but that's the mindset. And when I heard that, I was saying, that's for conversation and questions. That's my philosophy. Because if I work backwards and I say, I see that that this conversation is getting a little silly. We're laughing a lot and we're having this, not this one, but one in general. I'm going to come back with another question to intentionally change the tone. So I have multiple purposes behind the question. We're laughing. We're getting into that fun zone. But I also really want to ask about, you know, when, when you overcame a, an obstacle. So I have a purpose that's multifaceted, which brings me to high velocity questions. Financial expert Morgan Housel said, whoever asks the most, whoever says the most stuff, he intentionally chose that word, the most stuff in the fewest words wins. And 
I'm happy to say I didn't hear that quote till after I kind of read, read, uh, wrote about and thought about high velocity questions. But man, that nails what I'm after. I'm trying to ask more with fewer words. So typically, um, when I when I listen to podcasts, someone will say, "Tell us your story." Not that it's a bad question, but it's decidedly a low velocity question. It's got a purpose, which passes the first hinge for me. But for me, I don't ask a lot of those questions because if I ask you, "Tell us your story," it better be because I want you to talk for four minutes. If I want you to talk for four minutes, I am going to ask a low velocity question because I've been hogging the mic. But I'd rather say something decidedly more high velocity. I'll give you an example from writing a book. Most people ask, "Why'd you write this book?" I don't usually ask that question when I have authors on. I'll say something different, like, "When was the moment in your writing process that you knew this was a book?" Man, because just, they'll have. Yeah, holy. I mean, just I, I that was an incredible example, right? And it just again illuminates the depth at which you can get. And I, I think one of my favorite quotes is like, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And then, you know, she goes on to say at the end that, you know, as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I think great questions can almost liberate people from the mundanity of mediocrity that is so pervasive in, in our relationships, in our conversations, in our day-to-day -day living. And so, I mean, just how you frame those two questions goes like, oh, a general response of why I wrote a book to like, man, really getting myself to explore my own experience in there. And in that process, guess what? The person learns more about themselves and ultimately therefore can bring more of themselves to a future moment. That's, that's yeah. incredible, Joe. Sorry, I jumped in there. That was just oh, awesome. I, I really appreciate you validating that. And, and it means, it means the world because sometimes I'll actually have people that, that run podcasts just text me and say, what do you think about this question when I have Amber on? And, and I, and that might be the ultimate compliment that someone's willing to run a question by me. And they, they know that I'm not, oh, that question's not good. I just, it's an invitation. I wonder what would happen if you shifted it this way. And I think I know towards the end of conversations, you love to give tips. And I think this dovetails into it beautifully. People say, okay, well, that's great. But how do I do that? You workshop every question when you have a moment. So pause so just, on that note. Let's get into that then. Because like you said, the last thing we always do is championship mindset training. What can people be doing to start to wire the power of conversation, which a part of that is great questions into their lives? What, what is that mindset training you give us this week, Joe? Perfect. Perfect. So let's gamify everything. So depending on how deep people want to go in, right? So if you want to go all in, if you listen to podcasts, the next time you're listening to one, after the host asks a question, just hit pause and think about what you would say. And then I love the reverse. After the guest gives the answer, hit pause. And what would your follow-up be? That probably right there has given me the most bang for my buck because quite honestly, when I recently, this is a little in trade secret, when I have a guest on a podcast, I'm actually letting the other podcast hosts of the world do the research for me. So I want to pick up with the last podcast you've been on. So I've gotten these invitations, these beautiful questions that he or she asked, and then I'm going to go just one level deeper because that's my passion. I want to be high velocity. I don't want to be small talk. Nothing wrong with it. I was on a podcast recently. Gentleman asked me the same six questions he asked the first 25 guests. That's his pattern. That's his podcast. That's just not the one I wanted to have. 
So I think you can gamify it that way. And I think the other thing you can do is you just can make subtle but powerful shifts, right? If we're going to talk about 1% better, sometimes you get a lot more ROI on this move. If you were to just to, to take the word do or are, A-R-E, and just switch it to what or how. So a very powerful thing. I did this really nerdy thing on Twitter where I said, if you could only start your questions with one word for the rest of your life, what word would you choose? I love that. And, and right then and there, right? And I, in a multiple choice, because it's Twitter, I've chose things like what, how, why, and then people voted on their own. I've gotten so deep into this, Amber, that like I've decided that what is my choice and for a variety of reasons, but, but a simple one to give for listeners is if you're going to start your questions with what, you have so much freedom. What was the moment when? Right, I can go that way. I go, what made you decide to go with navy blue on your logo? Instead of why, which why is not bad, but why navy blue might put you on the defensive. Yeah. What was the moment where you knew you had to go navy blue? And of course, I'm picking silly examples, but I think that if you can workshop your questions, not to get to a point of overthinking, but in the down moments, and you can get mental reps from other people's conversations. I mean, let's do the math. If everyone's having 27 conversations a day and we're hearing a lot of them, I think we can get a ton of reps out of other people's conversations. Yeah, that's powerful. And it goes straight into the mindset training, right? So so this week, get your reps. Think about your conversations. Are you showing up with purpose? Are you showing up with intent? Are you showing up trying to create mutual beneficial moments with a damn good conversation so that both of you can walk away fulfilled with a higher probability then of bringing more of your best self to the next moment that you have, right? Because that's the thing. Like, listen, life is hard. There, there's challenges that we all face. There's adversity that we all face. And yet we have an opportunity to show up moment by moment and bring our best self to, to, to the world and to people around us. And so, Joe, man, I so much appreciate your time and your insights and just the crackle of the conversation that we had. It was spectacular and, and incredible to be with you today. How do our listeners get a hold of you? Because I know that so many are going to be wanting to ask you a question or wanting to maybe explore an opportunity to, to work with you from a coaching standpoint. That's so kind. Thank you. This has been a blast and you're a true pro. And I think everyone who listens knows that, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to say it. You've been an inspiration to me. I got to say, damngoodconversations.com is the first digital home I had in my life where when it got together and I had a vision, and, and let me whisper this, I hired someone to do it because I don't know how to build a website. Good turns job. Out. Good job. <laughs> like, I tried to be, hey, it turns out when you want to be a professional, leave the conversations to me and leave the website design to someone knows what they're doing. Um, it came out better than I thought. So what we tried to do is create it in a way where you could go get value and then run away and never talk to me again if you don't want to. Or click a couple of fancy olive green buttons and be like, oh, this is a guy that he said he writes back. Let's see if he writes back. And it's that kind of thing. So that would make that would mean the world to me if people went over there and checked it out. Awesome. And then you did talk about your intentionality on Twitter. And so how can how can we follow you on Twitter? It's my last name because when I started, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Twitter was a mystery, right? Ferraro on air. My friend said, Why you, you're on air. Ferraro on air. Okay. So F-E-R-R-A-R-O on air. I don't know. I, I haven't figured out the Twitter thing, but I do really love it. Like I genuinely like Twitter. So if people are Twitter people, find me over there and uh, I'd love to connect. You will hear back from me. So be careful. I, I will respond. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, Joe, thank you again for being with us. Thank you for for bringing a phenomenal conversation and just a depth of insights. I, I know that I grew through this experience together and I know that all of our listeners did as well. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And hey, if there's anything out there that we can do for you as well at the Selking Performance Group, whether that's keynote speaking or um, individual performance coaching, we've got an amazing team of, of high performance coaches. Please send me a message directly, Dr. Selking at selkingperformance.com. And then follow us on all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Champ Mindsets, on Instagram at Selking Performance, and on Facebook at Selking Performance Group. And like Joe, you can check out our website, www.selkingperformance.com. You've been listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.